of you not seeing that. Uh, this is a movie podcast where we discuss films that we haven't seen but should have, or perhaps we're dishonest about having seen at some point in the past. Um, each week, one of us will select a movie that um, we have not seen uh, before, but maybe have been dishonest about, and then discuss it. Uh, my name is Wilson. I'm Charles. And I'm Crossman. This week, Charles selected the 1977 film Close Encounters of the Third Kind, directed by a little-known director named Steven Spielberg. Uh, yes, an indie director. Yes. <laughs> Charles, tell us about Close Encounters. Okay, so um, in Midwest America, uh, some aliens show up in the middle of the night, one night, and um, a man and a woman who are unrelated get embroiled in their visit. Um, and the woman gets her child abducted by them, and um, they both start to see visions of like a certain specific shape, and they're kind of driven mad by this obsession with the truth. And obviously, nobody around them believes that aliens showed up, even though it seemed like a lot of people saw it. Um, people just assumed they were all crazy, I guess. Um, but this obsession drives the both of them to both meet up because they meet up at the the alien like viewing party. Um, and they both seek out this shape that they keep seeing in their heads. Uh, and it turns out it's this rock formation called Devil's Tower. Um, a real place. Which turns out is a real place. <laughs> I literally just discovered that today. I, I thought it was made up for this movie because it's such a striking shape. And I forgot to look it up after, yep. oh, after it's real. seeing the movie. It, it's amazing. Um, but uh, they, It's cool to look at in real life. Yeah, yeah, I, I need can, to, can confirm. <laughs> I need to visit it. Yeah. Um, so they end up going out to visit this thing, and they arrive in time to see the actual like humans communicating with the aliens who show up. Um, and after some playful mus exchanges of music, um, the aliens release all the people that they've abducted, and then the humans send in some more people to go with the aliens, um, and. Um, Richard Dreyfuss is one of them. Yeah, the, the, the guy who saw the aliens uh, was chosen to go with them as well, and the woman gets her son back. Uh, then the aliens fly off. That's the end of the movie. Uh, yeah, so just a disclaimer, I don't think you need to have seen the first two to understand this one. I haven't, and I was, I was fine. <laughs> oh, you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris, you've seen this before, right? As a kid. Yeah. yeah, what's your memory of it? Not much. Yeah, me neither. Um, I remembered a few scenes, the sort of like mania of uh, Richard Dreyfuss mm -hmm. was, was kind of striking. Um, and some elements of the end, but I don't know if I remember remembering them or just remembering like references or right. clips of, of it at the end. Because the, the playing of the sound is clipped very often, mm -hmm. um, especially when the aliens respond. And yeah, so it felt pretty fresh this time around. Yeah, I had a, I had a similar yeah. experience. Because I, I watched this when I, my memory is I was pretty young when I when yeah. I saw this movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I remember the the note sequence thing. I remember um, them, like, him doing the mashed potatoes. Um, yeah, I remember that, too. Yeah. yeah. I remember, and I remember when I was watching it when I was really probably, like, 10 or 11, like, waiting and waiting and waiting for the fucking aliens to show up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where are they? And then they yeah. come at the very end and they just like look like normal you know, aliens. And I was like, okay, I guess that's... Almost like it's not really about that. Yes, exactly. Which I didn't appreciate at the time. Um, but that was <laughs> when I watched this when I was a kid. I was like, where are the damn aliens? Um, what did you think about this one, Charles? Uh, I felt like 
I felt kind of half and half on this movie, sure. actually. Yeah. And maybe a little disappointed because it seems to have such high acclaim uh, whenever I, like, talked about it with people. Yeah, it's very well regarded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but, like, it felt like the movie was maybe a bit too long. A lot of the parts felt like they dragged on for me. Yes. Um, like, basically all the parts with uh, Richard Dreyfus going crazy, like, they kind of... They grated on me. They really annoyed me. And it's him, like, neglecting his family to, to pursue this obsession. That's the weirdest thing about this movie. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's a very extended scene where he's throwing dirt and shit into his house so he can build the Devil's Tower model in his living room, right? And it's just a very long scene of him putting, just taking stuff and putting it it's into like his house. Destroying his home. So this yeah. feels like the crux of the movie to me. I yeah. don't know about you, but... It felt very much like there are two films here. Yeah. There's the opening sequence, which is like, by the numbers, Spielberg. Yeah. You got like, uh, fog, there's a weird thing that happens. Yeah. It's mysterious and magical, and the Dreyfus uh, reacts to it as a normal sort of working man yeah. Any person would to mm-hmm. like a yeah. fantastical thing. That the, the very beginning scene actually felt straight out of Indiana Jones. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And yes. and the the mystery unpacks itself like mm-hmm. so beautifully. Mm-hmm. Like it is amazing. Yeah. Then it turns into another movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it turns into a movie about a maniacal artist who sacrifices his family for his obsession. It felt like a movie about mental illness. It felt like a movie about Spielberg. And how how he and other directors are in the right to destroy everybody in their personal lives in pursuit of their artistic genius. Right, and they will be rewarded with it at the end by I was confused by that because the the whole extended scenes of him like kind of losing his mind. It didn't feel like a positive portrayal of what was yeah. happening to him. It was definitely a condemnation of his condition. So it was very confusing at the end for him to, like, kind of succeed uh, it, it, or prevail. He, right. Like, his his wife and kids drive off at, like, the halfway point of the movie. Yeah. And we never see them again. Yeah. No, and he never, never, like, talks. He never yeah. mentions them. He's done. It's like, yeah. great, they're gone. The movie's, like, good. Like, Yeah, get yeah. them out of here. Yeah, they're an anchor. Right, and wild. You got you got seas to sail in there. <laughs> right, and I I literally don't know what to do with that. Like, what is Spielberg trying to tell us? I I think it's quite literal. Other than that, other than just like that, yes, like the artistic pursuit. If if you are a touched genius, touched yeah. by the literal hand of God, right, you are in the right to destroy your family and the people in your life, I, and and they are holding you back. If but, they're if they are not supporting you in your artistic vision, they're wrong. They're wrong, and they're holding you back. And other people around you don't understand that, but you should pursue your artistic vision. Wait, but doesn't the negative portrayal of his mania yes. like contradict that point? It didn't to me when I was watching this. It didn't seem negative. It seemed yeah, like really? the, the film was like to me was saying this guy is correct in what he's doing. Okay, because my sense of when when I watched it, I think yeah. I have the same read that uh-huh. Charles did, where the the movie was. If not portraying him as insidious, at least portraying him as insane. Yeah. Like, I, I read him as someone who's lost touch with reality, and that the, the movie is depicting that as well. To me, this is just someone who's having, like, a manic moment, but in yeah. pursuit of a noble, a, goal. a noble goal. And, 
worth pursuing. Yeah, I mean, it must be because that's how the movie ends. Like, the conclusion is him achieving the thing, so right? So do you think they just miscommunicated the tone throughout the Maybe. whole movie? Or at least through that sequence. I don't know. Um, but That's perplexing. It was perplexing. Like, it, it, was, it was very confusing. That, but, that I mean, that, that does choice. lead to my confusion with his character's resolution because it feels so triumphant and that felt extremely dissonant. To That's, me. To, to me, why the movie only makes sense because <laughs> it's like... Yeah, he's right. Like, yeah, and look, he's the chosen one. Like, he's literally chosen yeah. by God in this film. Yeah, well, to... him and his the neighbor lady, and she doesn't have the moment, right? Like, cause she is similarly obsessed. Like, she's not destroying her home to do it. But well, she's the movie like... is also incredibly sexist, right? Like, and that's the other. And yeah, the, so the conclusion yeah. makes sense in this paradigm because she like finds her child, which is what a woman who's looking for her family. Yeah. And he finds his art and <laughs> at the expense uh, of family in his career and is successful. Yeah. I mean, oh, again, okay. like that's, that's essentially what I got out of it too, but that just was such a weird thing to say that <laughs> I felt like there must be something else. What, I mean, it's exactly what someone like Spielberg would say. Well, I mean, of course, right? Spielberg's a, a lunatic and a, and, a, and a jackass. Especially at this <laughs> moment, right? Because he's like, He's the Hollywood bad boy at this point, yeah. right? Like he created this film called Jaws that didn't get any respect. It didn't get any nominations. It was the best and biggest film of all time. Right. Well, he was notoriously bitter about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so he's like, now he has the artistic license to do anything because Jaws is a smash success. So he writes this film <laughs> on his own. Well, he, he took a, another script, rewrote it to yeah. this. Um, and this is about like pursuing your artistic vision to the ends of the world, right? Literally. Yeah. I mean, in, in that light, like this reads as Spielberg's like most selfish movie. Mm-hmm. Right, like I, his, I think it's his most honest movie. Well, okay, <laughs> they can be both. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Could yeah. be both. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, I think it's his most honest film, because, like, I think he, like, is considered, he like, he is a genius filmmaker. And he considers himself a genius filmmaker. For sure. <laughs> yeah. But, like, everyone since he's been in, like, 28 has mm-hmm. told him that he is bad, so. Right. Well, and like, he keeps making movies and keeps getting funded and keeps getting awards for it, and they keep making tons of money. I right. mean, like, two of, like, the most incredible films I've ever seen are Spielberg films. Was it Jurassic Park and? And Jaws. And Jaws, uh, yeah. And like Catch Me If You Can is an astounding film. Yes, it is. So I would say like, obviously like he deserves the credit as a filmmaker. Sure. Like he's one of the most awarded. He, like, he makes good movies. I think it's the mm-hmm. point yeah. here, but. That doesn't mean making movies is the most important thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. Which like, is... I mean, it is if you're this person, right? <laughs> Well, I, yeah. I guess, but like he's saying, like said, like you said, set aside everything in order to do this thing, which is another way of saying like this is the most important thing possible. Yeah, and yeah, there's a lot of ego in that, and there's a lot of like insidious messaging in that. It's like if you listen to Cat in the Cradle and decide like it's a happy song, yeah. <laughs> like that's that's what this movie is. Yeah, I guess something that something else that supports Crossman's reading of it is that you know the delusions are of this shape, but you grow to realize that the shape is a real thing, and that kind of confirms yeah. their mania. Well, more to the point, it's a real thing, and they go there, and the aliens are there. Yeah, and the aliens are friendly, and he gets the thing he wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, that's, of course, that supports it. 
Um, so this movie reunites uh, Richard Dreyfuss and Spielberg uh, after Jaws. Um, how, how do we feel about Dreyfuss in this movie? I mean, he's he's a great actor. Yeah, he's very compelling. He's good. He's he's like a good, you know, working class guy. That, it was like, funny seeing him like try to be a father at the very beginning, <laughs> and he like gives this very useless lesson on something with the train model about fractions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It didn't help. I like that think. the kid just waits for the other train to slam into the one on the track. Yeah, and it's just like yeah, it was he great. Didn't care, right? <laughs> yeah. um, but besides that, I just spent most of the movie being really annoyed by him. Really, because okay. he was so possessed by this obsession. He's, he's such an asshole. Yeah, yeah. he is he's an asshole. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, what I like about Richard Dreyfuss here, and I think you saw it in, in Jaws as well, is that he uh, working man wasn't the right term, but he's like this you know, intellectuals working man, right? Like he has this sense of someone that's gonna go and do something with his hands. If it's like, you know, being a shark scientist or a electrician or whatever he was in this movie, but he's also like, you know, has some books at home. And like, I think that Richard Dreyfuss communicates that really well. Um, and I think that he's affected, so, so like his turn toward being obsessed with some esoteric thing, like kind of makes sense. Uh -huh. Like, and I think that he has like the right mentality and the right air for that. I think that that's probably what drew him to, or Spielberg to him for this role. I think it's mm -hmm. important too that he's like a model maker and like a sculptor. Because yeah. um, again, like this is coding Spielberg's craft is like, you like you take these like really basic materials and you recreate them in, in miniatures, which is like how they're doing a lot of these special effects. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then you make them appear real. Yeah. And then, and then they become real. Yeah. yeah, and then he's like drafting. Later, he's like drafting the monument, and it's mm -hmm. not until he gets to like the very large size that he's like, "Oh, this is." I've realized my vision for like what this is. Right, and yeah. and, then, and then he looks at the TV and he sees it in film, on a screen on a screen. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was I, a really funny scene, by the way, it because was. he's like doing something. Like in the back, in the background, the TV is showing the news report, right? But they playfully have the monument on while he's not looking yeah. for a little while, and they toy with you. It's a yeah. really good, this well-blocked scene. It was yeah. so by funny. Spielberg, like he's so good at like communicating ideas. And and that right? well, and it they set us up for that uh, with the framing earlier in the film because there are so many layered shots in this movie where you'll have something happening or some conversation in the foreground while there is some activity in the background, right? So like. At, towards the beginning of the film, after he does the train thing, like you have Richard Dreyfus having the conversation with his wife while the kids are doing some other thing, and the one kid is in the the background slamming on the the <laughs> the doll, the doll, right? And like there are many sequences like that where there's like multiple things happening at once, yeah. and then it like pays off at that moment where it's like here's the like the act break, right? Like here is the major <laughs> discovery in this movie. Uh, such great. Such great filmmaking. Like they have been communicating so much information so elegantly um, in, in those sequences. This film is one of many that has like a very frustrating, uh, unintentionally suicidal child in it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, what's his name? Billy? Barry? Barry. Barry? What a fucking dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Barry's an idiot. <laughs> well, as they say on Reddit, kids are fucking stupid. Yeah, that one definitely is. <laughs> there, there's a long history of like children that are mortal danger in films right. who are 
digging in ways that they should not be. Actually, we saw um, uh, what was the the uh, love hate movie? Um, Night of the Hunter. Night of the Hunter. The yeah. little girl in that is yeah, hundred percent this, where she is like. <laughs> They're in mortal danger, and the she, whole movie. <laughs> she puts them in way worse danger. <laughs> yes. Way, way worse danger. Yeah, like the, yeah. the dumb kid, like their house is under attack by aliens or whatever, and he crawls through the the doggy door. They, speaking of which, they have a dog? I don't remember seeing no, a dog. No, Why do we it just was came convenient. With a house? Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, but anyway, he like crawls through the door while there's all this violent... Ooh, a pretty light. Yeah, right. Like, that that scene is pretty remarkable, too, in its yeah. practical effects oh, yeah. of like just lights and like moving things around and like ways yeah. of like... This movie turns into kind of a ghost movie yeah. like, at multiple points. It's kind of weird. You don't, you don't see sci-fi in that way, really, but... Like when when he's suspended in the truck and mm-hmm. when the little kid is being abducted, there's it's like a ghost. Uh, there's a lot of references to religion throughout the film, and uh-huh. I I think like ghosts have a, a lot of their origin and like uh, conceptions around the soul and yeah. the Holy and, Spirit, yeah, Holy Spirit, and yeah. so like I definitely see those as being like the same. What Spielberg is doing is a very 70s move of like removing the, uh, the Christian like things but relying on it and replacing it with science right which has like a very normy like <laughs> like intellectual liberal thing to do in the 70s so um, and that's that's spielberg yeah yeah um i was reminded of contact a lot watching this like it feels like a lot of the sequences with yeah. uh yeah. truffaut were um it later would inspire uh, contact. I think the movie is actually at its best when it's contact. I agree. Um, Same. Where it's like the the mystery is like just around the corner. Yeah. Is where this film is like really good. Well, it's all the best parts of contact. Yeah. Without like the shitty the, parts. The, of the puzzle solving. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Even the cold open, I really really liked. Mm-hmm. Where they're just like they're in the sandstorm and you can't really see anything, and then they come upon the planes, and then the mystery like re- unlocks itself in a really right. Yeah. And you start seeing like oh like what are these planes doing in the desert? Oh these planes are from the forties. It's yeah. oh they're brand new. It's right? such like, a good mystery. Yeah, and so it's so Spielberg. Yeah. What um, I thought was clever was they showed the old man who's sitting there with a giant sunburn yes and then later like the other people who get exposed to the aliens get a sunburn you kind yeah. of put two and two together yeah it's like these people are seeing the same thing or but, yeah. but it's also in the desert and in the middle of indiana or wherever they are it's like yeah that's that's neat um also it's francois truffaut playing the french guy in this movie and uh, which, bob balaban right uh, but like the other actor yeah. francois truffaut is mostly known as a director like he's appeared yeah. in his own movies a few times but like He's the guy that directed 400 Blows and Jules and Jamie's like one of the major figures in the French New Wave. And it's like he's in I, this Spielberg I was blockbuster. Reading, um, yeah. I forget if it was on to be a Wikipedia, but they considered like every possible French person, person like like <laughs> person connected to film. Yeah. And I think they, they landed on, I don't know why, but they landed on this guy. I mean, I'm sure that Truffaut likes Spielberg. Like they, they the, the, French New Wave started because they just watched a bunch of American genre films and said that we can do that. And so I'm sure he's into what Spielberg is doing. It's just like so bizarre to see Francois Truffaut in this movie. Um, he's, he's really good he's, though. Yeah, and, he's and great. what's great is they just let him act in French yeah. without subtitling him, which adds to the mystery and like does a good job of like concealing information 
Mm-hmm. Right. Well, because this movie is, is so much about like alternative modes of communicating, right? Like the aliens don't know how to speak to us, so they like make our stuff yeah. move around. Yep. We gradually figure out that there's like these tones that are important, and like yeah. that that's how they talk to the aliens at the end of the movie. <clears throat> and so it makes sense to have like a central character in the the mystery side of the film yeah. to speak a non English language yeah. and have to work through a translator. Actually, going back to what you said earlier about the ghosts, yeah. Spielberg produced Poltergeist, which is a ghost oh. horror movie, and they reused a lot of the toys scenes in Poltergeist. And they, it's much more creepy in Poltergeist than it is oh, yeah. here, but it's almost the same exact scene, but mm-hmm. it's shot for horror reasons. And like same tricks are being used where toys are just like coming to life and the Yeah. But the child instead of being enamored with the toys is like terrified by them. Which, I, and as a viewer, sense. you're like, these it's it's really intense. It yeah. is shot really well. Yeah. Well and uh, I think like if we want to read the the Barry character in the most forgiving light, like the aliens are friendly, right? And if you're and if yes. we we you have that trope of like Children being more in touch with the essence of things. It's like the truth sayers, right? They're like in in the same way that animals are and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got and, that in ET as well, right? And I think that there might be some of that going on. That like the reason Barry isn't scared of this and willing to just run towards it is that as a child, closer to you know the 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 truth, he is like recognizing this as in fact not threatening and and something that. It could potentially be good. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's what's going on. But the experience of watching the movie for me was certainly, man, that Barry kid is a very frustrating. Uh, yeah, it's a real <laughs> shithead. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fucking idiot. Um, uh, there's a Godzilla knockoff. I forget the name of it. Where there's a turtle who's like the Godzilla. There's like a giant turtle. Uh-huh. Has to fight Godzilla. No, no, it's a knockoff of Godzilla. Oh, like okay. the main the Godzilla. Character is, a is, is a giant turtle, uh-huh. and there's a child in that movie <laughs> who is like so frustrating, like <laughs> is constantly exposing himself to grave danger yeah. to befriend the monster in this movie. Does it work? Does he make friends with the monster? Yeah, he does. Yeah, oh, okay. it works out fine. But yeah. it, as an adult, you're like, this is it's mind-numbingly well, frustrating to watch. And I think yeah. part of the reason that that technique is frustrating is that it feels so forced. Right, like mm-hmm. place yeah. the child in danger, and you will gain. You will, you know, manufacture tension. And like, I think that audiences are reading that as something that feels inauthentic, uh-huh. and and feels just like as a easy plug and play. Because yeah. you writer. might imagine the child as being more fearful, or just smarter, or smarter. Just, yeah, right. Yeah, or that it's just such a it's cheap. It's an easy technique, yeah. and like that to ratchet the tension. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, and it. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's tough to like because with Spielberg, like his home life, Gamera is the name of the, the turtle. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay. He's That's the friend to oh. children. Is his uh, <laughs> name? Oh, well, there we go. Um, they like, say it like very explicitly in the film many times. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then why is there, why are they afraid of this kid running after it? <laughs> well, the only the kid tells them that Gamera is the, oh. the friend of all children. Friend of all children. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Um, very classic mystery science theater episode. <laughs> One of the best. Um, with Spielberg, it's challenging because he's like known to have like a very troubled childhood. Like I think he had an alcoholic father, oh, really? and like his mother, something else was going okay. on, and so he had like a really bad childhood. And all of his films are like so clearly him just like trying to fix his childhood on screen, and this kind of feels like a reference to that. Jaws is like another example of this, where mm-hmm. Roy, Roy Scheider's character like. 
his relationship with his children is like really important and it's like feels very real but to me it feels like Spielberg trying to like create a good father well, well like <laughs> E.T. E. is even more directly about that yes E.T. E. is for that for sure but one one thing that's interesting about Jaws is yeah. the in the book the father and the whole family like they're all just like total scumbags <laughs> and in the movie it's not that right they're, they're like they're great. They're really good parents. Yeah. And, and the things that they're doing are to protect, they're literally to protect their children in Jaws. All children. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it just feels like he's like, should talk to a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> about his dad in particular. Uh, <laughs> how do we, how do we feel about the um, neighbor lady, Barry's mom, um, who was nominated for a supporting actress award? this apparently Th that is shocking uh, yeah. i don't feel like she left much of an impression on exactly me. yeah yeah um so that that's why i raise it is that well, yeah she's there purely to enable the mania of like dreyfus's character right well and, it, it like legitimizes him um and yeah. then it briefly turns romantic when yeah they're like yeah they're like uh, the ones they like accomplish their goal they kiss and then he takes and then off he and it goes up in like, space <laughs> yeah but again like supporting the kind of like i don't know like, like rewarding him earlier. for his mania yeah exactly exactly where it's just like yeah like this is the kind of relationship that he needed just a yeah. woman that was going to support his family could, so he can find someone who understands him for yeah. his genius and and not to have this like very intense relationship but rather one that's like more casual and then he can like take off and like do his thing <laughs> whatever that is yeah be, literally beyond our understanding yeah yeah Blaise, he's touched by god he is he's, yeah uh, apparently he's like the christ figure in this movie right right so, like, i mean he it, literally leaves with uh he's crucified with his arms out and the aliens are hold, like supporting him yeah aliens are angels that's the, yeah. that's the case <laughs> might be um so yeah i thought that that was that character's role was perplexing to me it's as, insane yeah i i that's uh, a bit ableist but i mean it's it, like it doesn't add up it doesn't make sense yeah it doesn't. other than to just enable this the main characters like mania right yeah right and that again it's, it's a terrible message um because I, I to be i mean to be frank like going into this i had higher expectations yeah right like i i I, I thought it would be just a better movie than it actually was yeah um, you expect some of that spielberg like emotional magic yeah, well, and it, 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 the first like twenty five minutes is that right? Yeah, like I mean, it's great. Beyond that, it, it, it just kind of goes off isn't. the rails. And yeah. and so I I, has, I I feel like I'm missing something, right? I feel mm -hmm. Like because this movie is so well regarded, it has this great cast, it has one of our finest directors ever, right? And it won an Academy Award, nominated for several more, right? Like so, I feel I like I finished watching it, and my sensation was like, okay, I I like wasn't in the right frame of mind here. Like I there was I, yeah, I was yeah. tired. Like there was something that I missed, and it just yeah. didn't click. And like I didn't trust my reaction to this movie for mm. that reason. Mm. I, yeah, I had to read like pretty fast. I was like, okay, this is Spielberg, Spielberg. being like, this is how I need to operate <laughs> as as a man. It, it feels like the only coherent thing available in this movie i mean it's very sexist and yeah i i think that's like the underlying ideology of the movie is it's uh right women will prevent you from achieving greatness this anti-feminism yeah because the what happens is his wife like takes the children away mm -hmm. rightly so because he's oh, yeah. clearly yeah. <laughs> clearly a danger to them yeah 
and the, his family exits from the scene, allowing him to do his art. And then his supportive, hotter girlfriend <laughs> like enables him and allows him to achieve his dreams. Yeah, after her without her being in the way, without being in the way. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, and and, and she is only interested in reuniting her family. Mm-hmm. And that's and he's completely disinterested. And the message of the movie is the, like the women are there to like take care of the children, mm-hmm. while this guy mm-hmm. is able to like do his thing. Right, because he like you think of things that Spielberg could have done differently, and it would have been not that much of a shift to just not to have Richard Dreyfuss be a single man, right? Like, what if yeah. he's just unmarried with no kids at the beginning of this movie, and? has suspicion and it fixes the aliens. Like, anti-feminist problem right so yeah, or his co-workers could be skeptical of him or anybody his friends whatever yeah. like his parents like you, you could have any other relation yeah. there to have him be a father with two kids and a, and a wife and to then jettison him so quickly like it's much easier to tell this story without them which is what Spielberg acknowledges at that halfway point such that, yeah, the only read as to what purpose the family has in the movie is to be an obstacle that's overcome. Yeah, they're an anchor on it. Right. Yeah. Like it, and and that's it. Like they're not even they're barely people. Yeah. I yeah. And, and and so I think if you read read this in the light of like what could it have done differently, like it really does kind of throw into relief what what the message Spielberg is sending here. Yeah. There mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, we don't like to think of Spielberg as that kind of insidious guy, especially because you look at his more recent output, like things like uh, Munich and British Spies and yeah. Schindler's List, right? Like these moralist films, right? Which is where Jurassic Park, too. Right, like where he, he entered later in his career, or maybe you can point to Jurassic Park as like the turning point there, uh, where he really had like this. It, almost an old-fashioned sense of the right and the wrong and mm-hmm. the difficulty in doing the right and the wrong thing yeah. and, and and being presented with those choices. To, for him to like have made this movie it, it, it is surprising. Yeah, yeah, I came into this one expecting more of that sort of story, yeah. so I was very surprised. Yeah, because this feels like the, the work of a of much worse person. Yeah, He's a young person when yeah. he's making this film. He's like 28 or something. Yeah, he, did he even have kids at this point? Mm. I, mean, I mean, we can, we can check, yeah. but um, I, I wonder if this is... Do you think that maybe he matured over time? I mean, I mean it, yeah, you're not who you are when, when you were in your 20s, right? Yeah. Um, later in life, but hopefully. <laughs> like, hopefully you have grown since then. Um, but man, imagine like you're his wife and kid, and you go to the premiere of... Close Encounters of the Third Kind, right? Like, what does what does that feel like, right? Like, what? How do you respond to, to that kind of yeah. uh, posture? So, I, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to figure out a little bit of this story here. Okay. Um. This is this is stuff we can cut. This is fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, like he he wrote this film. Right, so right, like this isn't a, a situation like this is his vision for things where he adapted it from somebody else. Yeah, oh. I, I don't know how often he writes his films. I I can't as often as, as he wants. I imagine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And he usually has like a brood, like he has good eye for story. And like, yeah, until Ready Player One. But yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> 
this, I mean, that said, this movie was massively popular. It remains popular and well thought of. Like, what do we think resonated with people? Like, why? Is... Well, I think people saw the Truffaut half of the movie and that stuck with them. And Maybe. The effects. Yeah. I think the effects. He hired the guy who did all the 2001 effects. That makes sense. And the scenes, yeah. all the spaceships, mm-hmm. they were all designed by that guy. Okay. And that, uh, that was like probably the smartest move that he made because that. Yeah. That ship at the end is, is mes- cool. mesmerizing. Pretty it's really cool. cool. It turns over and has a city on its belly. And yeah. Like, the way that they interact with it is cool. Well, and like, you have those shots of the various ships approaching and landing on Devil's Tower, which are just fucking riveting. And like, each, oh, yeah, each one yeah. is unique and interesting in its own way. And, yeah. Yeah, and it was cool that like they started out as like ships that are way smaller than you would expect alien ships to be, but then like the real one shows up or the, like the main one shows up and mm-hmm. it's so massive. Right. It adds to its grandeur oh. when it's finally revealed. Yeah, well, and the mystery of it too because it's it, it's never clear and never even asked like what they're doing on Earth, right? Because you have other of these kind of like friendly alien invasion movies and it, it will eventually come, you look at like Arrival or something, like it eventually comes to yeah. a, an answer about like what they're approaching us for and this one doesn't and it like doesn't really attempt it that much either even contact like it had a yeah a reason for the thing they still ex- exposition to the, to the camera <laughs> right and this movie doesn't attempt that and i think that 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 can be very seductive that this yeah. I- this idea of there being this larger uh scheme or plan or whatever yeah. that it, we can't access it gives you a little bit of that like imagination itch to scratch yeah mm-hmm. which it, which is it, spielberg's bread and butter right like yeah. that's that's where, where it's, he's made it's the bones. sense of wonder yeah and i really like yeah and i think the movie does do that that said there are there are this movie is like 20 minutes too long yeah <laughs> there are yeah a lot stretches. of stuff in the middle yeah, a lot of stuff with them. I like, almost dozed off, I'll admit, like in the middle. Yeah, like they're running around in the wilderness for a while. Like there there are a lot of that I, stuff. I looked down. So they like escape from the like military guys. Uh-huh. And there's like a third guy with them. Yeah. And I looked down for like a couple of minutes. I looked up and that guy was gone. And I was yeah. like, what? Who's I, that guy? <laughs> no, I was like, what happened to yeah. that guy? Go? And I rewound a bit and I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> and I was like... I don't know what to do. I'm just going to keep watching. on. Yeah. I was worried about that third guy, though. <laughs> Who knows what happened to him? Yeah. I guess the military got him. Yeah, he liked it in Do uh, Too Well. Yeah, but that feels like something that, that Spielberg would have cut later in his career. Like, that that's a clear spot where you just, like, that guy doesn't need to be in the movie. Yeah, you just, like, introduce, like, an unnecessary character. And then exit. And yeah. It, pull him out of the movie with no explanation. Yeah, yeah, totally. Just total dead weight. Yeah. So um, I, I feel like that, that kind of stuff is, I don't know, indicative of a younger director. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, we, like we didn't see that kind of thing in Jaws, right? Like that movie besides a drum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so lean. Yeah, it helped us. It was like restricted by definition because they're on a boat, right? <laughs> for some of it anyway, or like in this town for for much of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I think like there's cool stuff in this film. Like yeah. the aliens are cool, and like the, I, again, I think the first twenty five minutes is great, mm-hmm. like classic by the yeah. numbers. I mean the the music dialogue scene is why you're here. I feel like that's yeah. such a like joyful scene to watch, right? The power of music and mm-hmm. music as a universal language and all that. <laughs> uh, now, I mean, it might not be perfect because like people listen to music differently and they interpret different contexts out of it. But it's it's no um, what yep. Uh, what's his face from inside the actor studio? Like figured like totally nailed Spielberg to the wall in this. Where he or not in a negative way, but he was like. He's like your, 
your um he's talking about close encounters yeah. and he goes like you're again then he gets into his family life and he's like you're one of his parents was like a musician and the other was like a scientist oh wow. and then he was like so the end of close encounters they bring together like music and science and that's yeah. how they like talk to the aliens and spielberg like hadn't even thought about that really <laughs> yeah that's and he, he's just like dumbfounded by it huh yeah you should watch the clip it's wow it's like that's interesting it's astounding to like he's just like that, i mean yeah. inside the actor studio is you know dopey or whatever and like the yeah. guy comes off as a huge dork but man he is excellent at his job there like he yeah. is such a well-researched and insightful interviewer like it th th those are consistently good like no matter who he's talking to they're consistently very fascinating the, um I would highly recommend the Conan O'Brien one. <laughs> okay. uh, that one's really good. Okay. I, yeah. wow. I, I didn't even know he had interviewed Or And also the Conan. one where Dave Chappelle interviews him. Yeah, so I think yeah. I've seen that one, and that yeah. is good uh, from both directions. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, that Inside the Actors Studio stuff is great. I, I bet he's probably talked to Spielberg more than once. Like, he has such a long career. Okay, so I finally found information about Spielberg's personal life. Oh, yeah. So he okay. was married from 1985 to 1989. So this is... He was not married This is this is 77. Yeah. So this like predates his like married life. Um, okay. So this is, he literally doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, never married, yeah. never had kids. Like if anything, he's responding to his childhood here yeah. where he apparently wasn't all that, all that thrilled. Like that. So do you think the Richard Driver's character is like a fill in for his father? No, it's a fill in for him. I think it, it probably is Spielberg. Right, like yeah. the guy that's yeah. I think this is just like a young kind of jerk who's like made a lot of money and he's obviously smart and an artist and like Well and bitter. And, right. Because yeah. he, he didn't get there he didn't get the Academy Award that he wanted for Jaws. He should have gotten the best picture for Jaws. Like, yeah. Yeah. And and he didn't. Yeah. He uh, like he changed filmmaking. He was the Tarantino of his time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah, that, that seems about right. Yeah. So yeah, this feels like a young person's vision. Yeah, well, it, that's how it reads to me. Yeah, and my sense of Spielberg now is that he is calmer, that he's mellowed out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think unfortunately his movies have been pretty bad lately. But yeah. well, I mean, we have Ready Player One, but before that, I think his movie before that was Bridge of Spies, right? Yeah, and that I movie was that. good. I liked Bridge of Spies a lot. Yeah, he did the, like the airport movie with Tom Hanks. Too. That was a while ago. Yeah, yeah. Terminal. Yeah. Terminal was a while ago. <laughs> like he he has many more hits than misses, and he's made a lot for sure. Yeah, I, I really like his films. I really really like them. Yeah, it's, it's, especially in terms of the because like you compare him to Tarantino. Like Tarantino has made nine movies, or will be nine when this comes out. Sure. And relative to that time period, what Spielberg has made. Right, just knocking them out. Yeah. yeah, one after another after another. Yeah, very comparing to like a, a Paul Thomas Anderson. Right, that's like Tarantino's quality. I think average is pretty high. Uh, yeah. Right, <laughs> it, it is, <laughs> but still, like there's something to be said for just having a lot of content out there. Yeah, like that's great. Yeah. Clearly, that's what he's doing. Um, Any uh, the this film felt kind of interesting because the military sets up a black flag operation yeah, that's um, true. yeah. where they like to clear out the area they like gas the town and yeah. like clear out the area and like oh, and Richard Dreyfus sees through it immediately <laughs> yeah like with this sort of like conspiracy thinking I don't know feels like very relevant politically at the moment right but yeah. it's it's conspiracy thinking that's rewarded right? like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> the conspiracy but it real. always is in film right yeah yeah like the conspiracy is always true yeah so that felt kind of troubling 
Um, the other thing to me was so the um, Devil's Tower, mm-hmm. as it's called, is known as like a sacred native site. What was interesting to me was that the, the military comes in and like takes it away from the the people that live there now, right. which felt like kind of a historical reference to like military colonization mm-hmm. of literally that site. It's a loose reference, but it feels like it's there. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he is like a world peace guy. Like he, Spielberg. Spielberg, yeah. Like when he talked about ET, it was like how ET was meant to be a message about like world peace and like racial harmony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, which is, is like, great. yeah, the, yes, is, it is in the film that it isn't. So he does have those kind of like themes in his film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he also made Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's yeah. hard to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it feels like it's there. Yeah, maybe, so. maybe. Like I mean, it's still that like what they're defending is like this peaceful, uh, you know, scientific science. operation, See, which right. is problematic. Yeah, yeah, which is really not the project of uh, colonial removal of. Native people from from their land. <laughs> well, yeah. What I thought was interesting is when they do meet the aliens. As far as I can tell, there's no guns anywhere to be seen. Yeah, and just, like you never see that in any like alien meeting scene mm-hmm. in any movie. So that was you know maybe a little hopeful. Yeah, it's definitely a positive like meeting here. Like there's never even a question that they're dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, it, it, I mean, it works in like there's another way to do that too. Because like you compare it, you compare it to Arrival. Mm-hmm. Where there is this question about whether or not the, the alien visitors are dangerous, yeah, and the movie is much more explicitly about how that approach is incorrect, and like how the, yeah. the answer is it, about rejecting that violence, and like here it is more uh, implicit than explicit. Mm-hmm. Um, and why he decided to do it that way, I don't know, uh, but I I think there I liked that about Arrival. That it was very yeah. explicitly stating, like we can reject the the violent mode of communication, um, or annihilation, where like this natural force is like violent, but only to like natural ends. There's no like intelligence behind it. It's right. Just, Na- like yeah, it is nature, and that's and just the state nature's of it. inherently violent, and mm-hmm. the ways in which you interact with it are violent. Yeah, and, which again yeah. a more complex idea than probably either arrival or. Close encounters. Yeah. Uh, but it is kind of charming that it's just like, no, there's like, no. We just want to know more. Yeah, they're just friendly and scientific, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then that the aliens turn out to be like, the look like the aliens you would draw in your notebook or something. Yeah. Great school. <laughs> I think it's cool too when like all the people come off uh-huh. the spaceship and they're like, they're, fine. they're fine and, and, they have like the mysterious lighting from behind them as they walk off. Yeah. It's, an, it's angelic. And and to yeah. the, like they've only been there for what we assume is like a few hours, mm-hmm. right? Which is the way, and they reference it directly in the movie. They're like, "Oh, just like Einstein predicted," meaning that like because of relativity, they've been mm-hmm. moving really fast and they've been they gone for fifty years. But it's only like, yeah, yeah. I thought that was cool. That was yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it it's, adds the mystery. I can't. I, it's a little spoiled when they they actually show the aliens. Yeah. So two. I don't know. So there's three cuts of this film. And okay. I watched the original. I don't know. I think I ended. It said director's cut, but it's the only cut I could find. So I did that. Okay. Yeah. I saw it in a theater, so they didn't tell me which cut it was. But yeah. the film was very worn out. So yeah. It must have been an older cut. That feels so theatrical. When cut. they reveal the aliens, at first there's this like this really tall alien that kind of like has the scuff, scuffles under. Yeah. 
And then that alien like disappears from the film, which I found very confusing. Yeah. I kept being like, where's that tall guy at? Yeah, you're talking about the one that has like the big spindly arm. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. What so he like climbs out. Yep. And then we don't see him again. And it felt like there was something missing mm-hmm. from the film. Maybe there's more than one type of. And then all the yeah, like yeah. Uh, children kind of alien short yes. aliens come out. And um, carry Richard Dreyfus away. <laughs> yeah, choose Richard Dreyfus and carry him away. Right. It's strange that they're like none of the scientists intervened or questioned that. Or no, they're like, good. Hey, cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did they choose him though? I thought yeah. the interaction they, was that he spoke with Truffaut's character, and Truffaut was like, "I think you should go with them." No, they like come down the line because they're like looking at all the. Um, like candidates, candidates. Yeah, and they choose. Like they reach out to Dreyfus and pull him out of the line. And okay, I must have missed that part. Him out of the ship. Yeah. Um, they're also dressed like what was that cult that there was a cult that like committed mass suicide in the nineties, and they were all dressed in like tracksuits. Not the Jonestown people. No, no. There's another one. Waco. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> there's there's this cult yeah. that believed that there was an alien spaceship be in the tail of. Uh, Haley's Comet. Oh, all right. And so when the comet came around, they all committed suicide together. And they, there's famous footage of like they find all the bodies and they're dressed in tracksuits and in like Adidas shoes. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And it looks just like this, but that happened like way in the 90s. Yeah. It, so like 20 years later. So I don't know if they like saw Close Encounters and then they were <laughs> so inspired like, by it. Let's I thought the people that. going on were wearing like spacesuits, they had like red spacesuits on. They look like, or were they? They were. Red. They look like tracksuits to me. Yeah. Or I don't know if they read that way because I know about this cult, but like, yeah. <laughs> but it looks like active wear to me. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah, that whole that was bizarre too. That was like another element that's just like introduced and not explained. There's a lot of ideas that are kind of like brought in and not yeah. I mean, presumably like the scientists figured, some, figured something out about this because they'd chosen these candidates before and they look like astronauts. So yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, I. I don't know. I struggled with this film, frankly. Yes, like, yeah, same. Yeah, <laughs> like I, there was, it was hard to like find something to hold on to here. I agree. Yeah, yeah. it was just basically for the me, effects. The, I like the, the, effects. the effects, the music yeah. part, which is probably like a five minute scene. So, yeah, and like some of the the alien bits at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that was basically it. And that's what like twenty minutes out of this whole movie. Yeah, it's like two fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. So. So I don't common. know. Um, any any closing thoughts on Close Encounters? Just surprised by the reaction to it and I wonder how many people who have a positive view of it like haven't seen it since they were kids yeah I mean this has come up before when we've like not been that enthusiastic about movies I want to talk to someone who is I want to find like the the person that's like super into Close Encounters and like what is it that resonates with them yeah and it's clearly still does because like my showing it was like a random Tuesday evening it was packed right all the way through right like what what are people finding so enchanting about this movie Um, because I want to like it like I want to like all the movies I see Um, so yeah what is here because there are many many Spielberg movies I would recommend ahead of this one at this point like most of them yeah. <laughs> and you know I, I want to if I can find the thing right if someone can explain to me what what it is great I mean E.T. feels like a fixed version of this yes, film yeah. and E.T. comes later like a lot later it's a better movie Spielberg's a lot better yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. so I, I have I found a hot take for this film okay. I was like you was interested in like yeah. Right. Who's defending this film? Yes. This person's not. It's unfortunate. <laughs> I failed. Um, it's a it's a contemporary hot take, which is what I prefer. 
Um, Contemporary with the film. With the film. It's from yeah. 78. So um, in January of 78. So pretty close yeah. to when the film Probably during out. the original. It's run. from the New York Review Books. It's by a guy um, called Martin Gardner. Um, unfortunately, this is only a partial hot take. And it cuts off at a weird moment. Okay. But I could only find half the article mm. without paying for the New York Review Book archives. <laughs> um, <laughs> Certainly not worth it. But I think it's it's interesting and it's kind of wacky. Um, and it's interesting to see it in the moment of 1978. Okay. I, think it, I think it's like a insightful because of that. Okay, so it says, Close Encounters of the Third Kind opens with a bang. Um, at first, the titles flash on and off in eerie silence, then a faint sound slowly swells in volume until it explodes. A symbol of the explosion that created the universe? <laughs> sure. The, the producers hope that the movie will blow everybody's mind? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's a very saucy uh, question. Um, it is too early to know whether Young, age 30, Steve Spielberg, um, the director who gave us Jaws has done it again, this time without a bare nipple or a spurt of blood. <laughs> the film's dazzling photography, high decibel score, and tolerable acting make it hard to see how bad the film really is. <laughs> but of course, that is the secret of blockbusting. <laughs> Douglas Trumbull, who created the special effects for 2001 A Space Odyssey, is indeed a genius, and his contributions to Close Encounters are everything the film's publicity says. Alas, beneath the visual hanky-panky stretches a thin, hackneyed plot that was done to death in the the SF magazine, sci-fi magazines, and third-rate films of the 50s. This this is coming in hot. Yeah. Um, But I feel like he largely agrees with, like, our take on this film, that it's, like, kind of shallow, and what's cool about it are the the guy who did the visual visual effects. Yeah. This is easier to comprehend if you read Steven Spielberg's written version, Close Encounters, just issued by Dell Paperbacks as a movie tie-in. Okay. Here, and this is why it's in the New York review books. Um, Here on the Stark pages, uncontaminated by clanking sounds and flashing colors, you can savor the film's dull story, cardboard characters, and dreary dialogue in all their pure, clean, adolescent banality. Oof. Again, I think like I agree with him that yeah. like this is this is a film by a, a young man who's thinks very highly of himself and doesn't have a lot to say about it. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I I, I, I agree. what your read is on this. But, yeah. I, I think we were largely in agreement on that. Um, both novel and movie, however, make one thing going for them that could make the film as whopping a success as Star Wars. More than any other sci-fi novel or movie, they reflect the extent to which UFOlogy has become a pop religion. Okay. Because um, I guess UFOs are like really big in the seventies. They still are. I think like we're still like pretty infatuated by them. Um, and yeah, I don't know. The space ones will find some. Yeah, their ability to like spark the imagination of like a common person. I mean, we're like, talking about Area Fifty One right now, right? Yes, yeah, it's, it's still in our meme. public consciousness. Yeah. Um, millions of Americans disenchanted with science and politics are longing for apocalypse, for a mystical explosion that will instantly solve the world's problems and start a new age of love. Um, then he gets like deep into religion in a way that I wasn't expecting. Um, for Protestants who haven't left or who are able to return to evangelical Christianity, expectation of the second coming is rapidly rising. 
uh, Billy Graham, more and more thumbs on the theme of a hopelessly corrupt world, firmly in Satan's grip. But any day now, surely soon, the Lord will return. Eccentric cults based on uh, Parousian nearness are flourishing as seldom before. Shabby books like Hal Lindsey's Late Great Planet Earth sell by the millions. So I think what he's connecting here is the sort of like doomsday cult sure. of these religions is connected with the fascination with UFOs because I think what people are looking for in, in his observation, what people are looking for is a meaningfulness beyond the scope of the earth that is not specifically connected to religion. People are just like using the notion of the UFO is like a replacement for religion in this guy's read on the culture. Right, like adapting the iconography of it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah. Which I, I think he's right here because mm-hmm. what, what we see in this film is like a lot of like Christian iconography yeah. that's being used to... For non-Christian ends. Yeah. 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 And the, the sci-fi is like relying on that iconography to tell its story. Yeah. Um, like and one interesting scene when they go to India mm-hmm. and they're like, "Where'd you hear this?" Oh, yeah. and they all point up at the sky. Yeah, yeah, which means God or yeah. aliens or <laughs> something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a really racist sequence that he had there. I mean, it. it I, I personally, I thought it was going to be worse than it yeah, was. Fair. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. they don't. Yeah, I'll leave it there. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, for those who not, who, for those who cannot believe in the second coming, or the messianic hopes of Orthodox Judaism, there are the UFOs. <laughs> if the Earth is being visited by extraterrestrials, if the sky is an Indian sadhu puts it in close encounters, is singing to us, surely the aliens must be friendly, or by now we would have learned otherwise. It is this childish possibility that has kept the flying saucers alive for thirty years. Thirty years, <laughs> exactly the age of Mr. Spielberg. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Strange things have, of course, always been happening in the heavens, but the first flying saucer flap began had a precise beginning. It was June 24, 1947. Kenneth Arnold, flying his private plane near Mount Rainier, saw nine disc-like objects flipping through the firmament. A wire serviceman called them saucers. Flurries of new sightings, and then the article stops. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, but okay, that's a reasonable insight. Yeah, I thought that was actually very insightful yeah. view yeah. of the film, and to be able to see that um, contemporaneously with the film, I think is like a pretty solid read of like what's happening here. And that's what the role of a critic ought to be. Like, yeah, yeah, and I like his like uh, uh, unsureness of Steven Spielberg as a character because he's like so fresh and. Yeah, it's fun to read that now. He hasn't yeah. proved himself yet. Yeah. 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 Because now we think of him as this old guard, you know, institution. Yeah. And for it, sure. It's cool to see, yeah, like someone look at him with fresh eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought that was an interesting find. It's the only uh, negative review of like the reviewers in, in Rotten Tomatoes. Mm, that's found. shocking. To there's me. one there's one other one, but it's from like ten years ago. And right. This, and the person's like, this film doesn't hold up. And they're they're right. Yeah, yeah. they're right. But it's interesting to see someone say it in, in real time. Yeah, that is interesting. I'm surprised that that's the only one. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Huh. So yeah, that was a hot take. That is a hot take. That was burning hot. I, I think it's correct though. We're yeah. all we're all sunburned now from this hot take. Yeah. From how hot it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I don't have anything else to say about Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah. Um, if if the audience does, you know, please please share it with us. Um, yeah. and we have comments on our our various outlets here, uh, Facebook, SoundCloud, miscellaneous other ones. 
Um, and Crossman, you have the next, uh, you have the selection for next week. So what do we got? Yeah, I guess I'm on a bit of a dance movie kick now. Okay, with great. This, with this choice, but I've never seen Footloose. Yeah, oh, the, neither. Yeah. Those are the two big dance movies. If you've missed the you're Dirty Dancing and Footloose. Yep. Missed, okay. Missed them. The the town that banned dancing. Neither uh, the old one nor the recent one. Okay, which one are you selecting? Yeah. Well, we should obviously watch the original. Yeah, we should. Although I heard good things about the remake. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I happened, but great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Um, like I said earlier, if you if you're liking the show, please share it, comment, subscribe. Um, it really does uh, it does make a difference. And please join us next week for uh, Footloose.